Welcome to Brothers King Talk, where we view eternity through the lens of art. My name is Samuel. And I'm Solly. And um, we are back again this week, continuing to do the... I really feel like I need some better opening lines for this. Um, I, I mean, I have the good, like, you know, our slogan. Our slogan is good. Like, if we ever get a, a TV Tropes page, um, we that will totally... Our slogan will be there at the top every right. time. Right. But I, I don't know, because TV tropes, they always have like a catchphrase or something to introduce the page at the, at the top. And that will be there. Um, but I, I never know what to say after that. I'm like, well, here, um, here we go, the number one Billboard song. You know, I just... Right. We're... Well, see, like, I feel like, really, we need to... Um, we need, like, while we're rebranding and doing, you know, more stuff... With Brothers King Media, we need to like, we need to figure it out. Cause like for Brothers King Media in general, yes, we are viewing eternity through the lens of art. But what are we really doing with Brothers King Talk? We're viewing music. So what are we viewing music through? I mean, our it's still all about you know what what grasp has uh, art um, on on eternity, you know. Like, it's just the really simple fact of um, everything, rather good or bad, has a relationship with God. And therefore, and by extension, relationship with eternity. Right. Um, that that relationship can be very negative. It can be, you know, um, this is, you know, something unfit to, uh, you know, you you wouldn't show this to your... Um, your little brother or something, you know, and this this shouldn't be really seen by anyone because just it's not good for your soul, but it's still showing you know a disparity between um, how far away from God you are, right? Um, so let me back up here. So let me give you an example. Um, I was watching uh, Bohemian Rhapsody a few weeks ago, months ago, I don't know whenever whenever it came out on DVD, I watched it. And I'm watching this, and I'm watching the story of Freddie Mercury, and I already knew it. I'm a music um, aficionado, you know. I like history a lot. So I've read up on Queen, of course, because I like reading about music history. But it was just seeing it acted out. I couldn't help but thinking, this is really the sad story of a guy who um, was missing something in his life, and he didn't know what he was missing. So he looked for it. In drugs, he looked for it in sex. He looked for it in tons of relationships. He looked for it in money, and no matter what he did, he couldn't, you know, find that fulfillment until it literally killed him. Right. And that's you know what I was thinking about. So when I say we view you know eternity through the lens of art, everything that we view, everything that we read, everything that we hear has some sort of grasp on eternity. It just depends on how we view it. Right. <clears throat> Um, so, yeah, that was a complete sidetrack. That was free. <laughs> uh, that was free, yes. <clears throat> um, please like, subscribe, share with your friends. <laughs> uh, hey, it won't even hurt if you added it to your uh, Instagram. <laughs> JK, JK, that For wasn't funny. Anyone out there that's listening. <laughs> yeah, mom, please. <laughs> uh so that's what I mean when I say viewing eternity through the lens of art. So, oh man, 
Um, but also, you know, it's uh, interesting because now that we're talking about it, we might as well just talk about it for a second. Um, oh, well, this, why you... <laughs> this, this, uh, this podcast has taken a turn. Let's do this. All, All right. right. So at the same time, we want people to listen to us at some point in the future, hopefully. Right. Um, we want people to enjoy this as a form of entertainment. Right. So, at the same time, I'm purposely veering towards a Christian pop culture, because that's something I'm familiar with. I've grown up in it. You know, I was a fan of Newsboys and DC Talk for most of my young adult life. Right. Um, I rocked out to Keith Green, Steve Green. Oh, Steve Buddy Green. Green you know, all Don't the Greens. Don't know that guy. <laughs> uh, he, uh. He, he wrote the, uh, the music for Mary Did You Know. Oh, okay. Um, Mark Lowry wrote the yeah. lyrics, but Mark Lowry. Mm. <laughs> but Mary, did you know? Oh my god. So I, I, so I choose to talk about Christian pop culture because that's what I know. That's what really, I'm good at. Really, though, <laughs> in in a general context, our um, our stunt here, mm-hmm. so to say, is really family friendly. Yeah. It it it, it isn't spe- uh, specified for. Um, you know, young kids or old people or it's not even specified for teenagers. It's just a generalized um a gen we're we're trying to market it to the general audience, you know? I mean to the general audience that knows Christian pop culture enough, they would actually get half of what we're talking about. Right. Um so I mean that's still a relatively small demographic. And if I may quote um Oh darn it, what's his name? The really pale comedian he makes fun of Hot Pockets. Jim Gaffigan. Okay. If I may quote Jim Gaffigan, he said, um, when you say family friendly, what you really mean is it sucks. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's like, but he goes on to say, he's like, I'm always branded as a family friendly comedian. If you ever listen to Jim Gaffigan stuff, he is very family friendly. Like he's, he's like, but I don't do that because I'm trying to go out of my way to be family friendly. I do that just because I when I'm making fun of Hot Pockets, I don't see the need to, you know, put a vulgar joke in that. Right. You know, I want it to be something my kids can just listen to. And I'm like, okay, my kids can listen to this. We're, we're good. We're all happy. And I feel the same way about our content in the fact that um, when you say family-friendly, that means traditionally, that means let's avoid anything that could be considered a hot topic Let's avoid stuff that, um, you know, death. Let's avoid death. Let's avoid talking about the consequences of sin. Let's avoid um, talking well, about... I wouldn't even say that that, that would be necessarily um, an aspect of it because, I mean, adventure, Adventures and Odysseys, you know, focus on the family, family-friendly. Yeah. And they talk about the consequences of sin, and it talks about death being a consequence of sin. Yeah, that's of about- sin is death. You know, at the same time though, every episode that's slightly intense on that has um, Doctor uh, oh what's his name? Blackard. No, no, not Blackard. No, it's like it's it's the guy who owns Focus on the Family. I just can't think of his name. He's like he's actually a doctor. Oh, um, like a child psychiatrist. What is his name? Um, I Uh, cannot think of his name for the life of me. He always comes in though, and he's like, um, "This episode may be intense for younger viewers. As always, parents, please listen with your children." Um, so he does that if the episode's too too heavy we should start putting that like as a as like a begin like 
You know, you say, welcome to Brothers King Media, where we view eternity through the lens of art. And I'll come and I'll be like, parents, we advise you to listen <laughs> to this with your children, uh, seeing that some of this content may be damaging. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sorry, so I totally interrupted you. So what was you saying about family-friendly... Um, I mean, I, I would agree that we are on the lighter side of things. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like we're not really trying to... We're not trying to uh, brand ourselves, or not brand, but we are trying to brand ourselves. We're not trying to market ourselves to a certain uh, age group, yeah. necessarily. I feel like not a lot of the stuff we talk about, and I really, I hope that we actually do get, you know, kids, preteens, to uh, listen to this because maybe society will have hope. Um, if if they realize what they're missing out on that, you know, what's on the radio isn't necessarily what music is. Because, yes, it is art in a form, but it's one of those things where it's been critiqued so much. It's like the Mona Lisa. Now, I'm not saying Mona Lisa is not a good piece of art, but, you know, the painting of Mona Lisa has been so critiqued. It's been It's been done like... So many times the artist drew it and drew it and drew it. And then he's like, okay, this is perfect. This is what we want. So therefore we can sell this. And that's what's going to carry. And but it's funny. really, really what needs to happen is I feel like our music needs to be more abstract. Instead of having this, um, this set agenda that, oh, it's strictly worship. We're going to be pretty vague about what it's about. It needs to be more abstract. It needs to have meaning to every individual person rather than a general audience. If you see, you see what I'm saying. I think I get where you're going. What what you're saying is um, basically we want less, um, you know, less McDonald's. McDonald's is good. It can be fulfilling in a pinch, right? But there is nothing that beats that. Little mom and pop pizza place. Exactly. Uh, that just makes, you know, everything right. homemade and pits their heart and soul into their food. And they're right. like, here you go. Like, why have McDonald's when you could have Stinny's Pizza? Yeah. You and, know what I'm saying? And if Stinny listens to this, hey, just throw us a 20. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, Stinny's is just for those that would like, that's curious. It's like this little tiny garage pizza place. So that right down the road from where we live. And it, it's not, it's not like. <laughs> It's nothing big, but it's but like it's, it's that special food. It is. It is like we we grew up on it. Like it's our Friday night thing, you know. And I think um, that's really it's that's the complaint about art, not just in the Christian world. That's everywhere. That's everywhere. Exactly. I mean, you go, you, and that's not even just music. That's all art. Exactly. Um, I mean, like, why do you think One Direction really took a sabbatical? Because their music, they didn't feel like they felt like yeah. We're going to do this next album, and they did it independently. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't really, I mean, if they wanted to, they could probably fund themselves a lot of time. <laughs> but they didn't want to waste their money on themselves, obviously, like on their own music. They they wrote that last album, which was four. I think that was the, last, the name of their last album. Mm-hmm. They wrote the music to that, and they're like, all right, we're going to disband until all of us can... You know, regroup with what we want to do. But I'm just saying, like, that's why they quit. Everybody's like, oh, no, they just got tired of it. I don't think you can really... I mean, yeah, there is a sense that you get tired of it. But these kids, 
It was their dream to be rock stars, essentially. I don't think you just get tired of your dream. I think that there are more things that play out into where it goes. But they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to say, oh, we didn't like the direction our directors and producers wanted us to go. They wanted to write their own stuff. Therefore, they did. Good job. Congrats. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not singling out One Direction. It's just the first thing that popped into mind uh, concerning pop culture in general, secularly. Well, what pops into my head is, um, for instance, and I know, okay, so let me preface this by saying I'm a huge super nerd. Um, Anyone who knows me knows I... If you could see my house, it's, oh my it's covered in nerdum. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is nerdum. Um, but so the the MCU movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love the friggin' Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're some of my favorite movies. Right. At the same time, though, they are all the exact same movie. Um, you like you watch the first Iron Man, and it gives you the blueprint for how every Marvel movie will play out. Yes, with differences. But they're tightly controlled for mass consumption, right? Right. Now compare that to like a little indie flick. Um, one of my favorite movies is called Primer. And most people probably had never seen it. It was made by like three guys in, you know, a, a $20,000 budget. Um, and it's, it's a time travel flick. But it's one of my favorites. And it's very unique. And mm-hmm. it would not fit into a Marvel movie because it's not made for mass consumption. Right. It's made as a work of, this is my art. This is what I wrote. Right. But this is why I wanted more... to make more than anyone else. Right. Like, but there, that it, no one else could have made. Exactly. But there's something more meaningful about that than mm-hmm. this, like, like, I mean, I'm not saying that Marvel's ripping anything off, really. They're like, just, they're good movies. They're, but they're, they're good movies, but just, if you want, if you want creativity, you just have to read the comic books. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it makes, like, that's all. That's all. If you're looking for creativity... Read, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Beyond that, though, it's just um, there's something special when you give a person um, just no bars hold saying, "Make what you want, not what will be mass consumed." You know, and not everyone likes that. It's it's not it's made for the few, not made for the all. Right. And there's something special about that art. But at the same time, I feel like we're talking in circles here. But at the same time, um, there the mass art can be good. So like I said, the MCU is still a very good series. Um, if you want to go back to the music world, um, the Beatles, they were massively popular. They were very good. Right. And if, m- if you want to go back to Christian music, um, I would say like DC Talk. Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins. They were Keith massively Green. popular, well, still Green. good. You know... For his time, Keith Green was huge. Yeah, he was there Christian music for a minute. He was all, you know, like <laughs> until Amy Grant and, happened. Yeah, he was until Amy Grant, but that was after he done passed. Yeah, but, you know, but I mean, even on that whole Beatles kick right there that you just went through is like you know no spoilers, but uh, you know they got that new movie coming out. Oh yeah, uh, yesterday. I forget what it's called. Yesterday, there it is. But anyway, you know, it's about the guy, he goes, he passes out and gets knocked out, wakes up, nobody remembers the Beatles. Uh-huh. And then essentially, you know, there's just all this pop culture reference going on in 
this world where nobody's remembering what's old except for this one dude who's trying to share it with everyone. And then, you know, next thing you know, there's a scene about, you know, Ed Sheeran and him going through vocals and Ed Sheeran's trying to uh, manipulate the lyrics that, you know, Paul McCartney and George Harrison and Ringo Starr and uh, John, Lennon. John Lennon when, you know, they wrote because it was like, it, was, it wasn't necessarily, um, it was not uh, a general a song to the general audience. It was it was a song, you know, pers- it was personal, more personal, you know, from them to someone specific we may not know, but it still affected us individually, you know? But, like, that's, that's the feeling that I get with this, with the century we live in, is everyone's trying to pulp-culturize everything. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, you know, we have the original Batmans, you know, the old ones, uh, the 1949 version. We, <laughs> and me and Shiloh and Dad watch it. But they just continue to make the new Batmans. They want to modernize everything, which I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, like, there's some things you can do that with and some things you shouldn't, you know. And when it comes to music, I feel like music shouldn't be generalized. It needs to be personal it needs to be able to connect to the audience uh to to the view to the listeners on an individual basis rather than being this general work of art that has one specific meaning and purpose it needs to be more abstract so that when i look at it i could see one thing but when you look at it you can see another thing and it just connects to you on that individual level yeah, absolutely. Um, and, oh man, welcome to Burger King Media, where we rant about how we feel about modern pop culture <laughs> for 20 minutes. Um, Alright, so I'll, I'll say one last thing and shut up, because we've touched on five different things. All right. And really, and if you if you ever wanted to hear a thesis statement about why we do what we do, uh, this is as good as we're gonna, probably going to ever get. Um, also, on the so- topic of the history, though, I feel like um, the the saddest thing that can happen to a person is to be forgotten. Right. And I feel like that happens with a lot of music. Um, a lot of Christian music, sadly, is forgotten. Like, um, you know how many people still reference Keith Green? For instance, I know we, we like brag oh, on I this do. guy a lot. I do. I reference him every I mean, day. That's, that's us, mm-hmm. right? But right. then again, we have two listeners. There's, right. <laughs> so. I mean, but they are ourselves. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if anyone's out there, please. <laughs> We're begging you. I don't care if you're 40 years old. <laughs> um, and a woman and homeschooling your 25-year-old <laughs> child. Uh, I um, just hope that um, history be not forgotten. And history be not rewritten, you know? Um let history stand as it is as a beautiful work of art and then let us celebrate the new things people are creating and not just live in the past as well right and um let us all do it in a uh in relation to our relationship with eternity our relationship with god right whoo 
That, oh. that's, there we go. The, the, now I feel that's better off now. our chest. I know, right? We're so, okay, we're set. So do we need to, what what part of our uh, session now do well, we have to cut out? We're, no, we're going to go, we're going to go full throttle here. Are we? Um, if anyone ever listens to this, I'm sorry. We, we love you. We went 20 minutes over. <laughs> um, all right. Oh, so, wait, wait. I can actually warn them. Guys, like, I'm a prophet. This episode will go 20 minutes over. Da, da, okay, whatever. Uh, all right, uh, let's go ahead and check out the billboards. Um, we we didn't check it out last week, but you know, not that anyone cares. Yeah, not so that anyone. So, w- what day are we on, Solomon? What what's the date? What's the date? What's the date today? May seventh. May seventh of twenty twenty six. Twenty nineteen. I know. Shh. They'll never um, know the difference. So for forty one <laughs> weeks, Lauren Daigle's you say yep has been at number one like you wow know, i still don't know what she's saying like i just still don't get it well god says she is loved you say i am yeah i mean you a vague you you know you uh, say sorry well, to everyone who's heard that yeah well they probably didn't hear it they probably didn't <laughs> notice it now they do uh, i burped okay <laughs> i have bodily gases too I'm a human. We're allowed to be human. Um, so she's been saying for 41 weeks. Well, no, it says, you know, when I am alone, God, you say I am yours. Which and we, I believe. We had this conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, she could mean like, God, you say I am yours. Yes, babe. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> um, number two is still God only knows. God um, only knows by, by for King Country. For King and Country. But number three has changed. Yep. And I, I don't completely know. forget what number three is now because we it listened to it an hour ago. Danny Goki. Okay, it was Danny Goki. Um, haven't seen it yet. And I still haven't seen it yet. Well, we did see why. it. Well, no, I've seen it, but I still didn't see it yet. I still haven't seen yet why it's number three. <laughs> It's it's not a phenomenal song. I'm sorry, Danny. Uh, creative video. Uh, you did give us a little twist when you threw in the girl as the prodigal daughter, and rather than it being a guy being the prodigal. Well, son. I mean, I always appreciate a good prodigal story. Right. Like that's that's. A- well, there's nothing wrong with that. I get that completely. But it could have been more intense. I don't know. You could have made it a little more rocky. Uh, the the beginning of the video really threw me off. I'm sorry, um, but I really thought it was going to be something deep and moving. And no, it was another vague struggle. And it's, ah, oh man, I'm just ready for something to change, man. Well, I feel like what's kind of happened, particularly with Christian music, is we've been doing the vague struggle thing. It's been oh, 10 years plus. That's been like the go-to <clears throat> For a number one hit. Like, even even the number two, the two number ones, right? The You Say and God Only Knows, that's still vague struggles, right? Right. I mean, like, according to the music video, the little girl grew up watching her dad work on his truck and split wood. Next thing you know, she's sitting on the swing looking mad at him. Next thing you know, she's not there no more. Next thing you know, she's getting attacked in an alley. And then next thing you know... She's back home. Like, what happened? It doesn't, like, show. There's no... Like, 
Yeah, maybe if the music video showed a little bit about like what happened between her dad and her, mm-hmm. that would make more sense to the song. That would be a little more creative. I'd be able to give it a little more prop. But it's just it's it doesn't explain anything. It's like reading a book that says once upon a time there was a girl and her dad and he worked on his truck and split wood. One day her dad found her on a swing. She looked mad. Next day she wasn't home. Then it goes to the girl's story. She was wandering in the city, got attacked in an alley, ran set by a fence. Some random dude gives her her jacket. And then she goes back home, and the daddy hugs her. That's the whole story. What happened? You know? And, I mean, and beyond, even if I was just listening to this song, I wouldn't even get that much. Right. The the song would just leave me... It's... If we're, like, trying so hard to reach as many general people as possible with the vagueness, that um, I feel like the, the lyrics are just shallow. Right, they're, they're, they're like there's nothing there for me to grasp. There's no depth. There's no uh, if he's trying to move somebody in their heart, like good luck, man. I'm sorry, but like really, there's nothing to really penetrate your spirit with, or you know anything whatsoever. It just doesn't move me. If I want to have seen the music video, I wouldn't have had any sort of feeling toward it. But even watching the video. I didn't still have any... I kind of laughed a little bit. I'm sorry, but it's there's nothing to eat. There's nothing to digest about this song. It's, it's like it's like drinking milk and nothing happens. You know, where's the cookies at, you know? It, 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 it's like, um, it's just... It feels like it's the equivalent of... Here's uh, one of those little... Not even quart. What like a pint was that what that you got like in when you was in elementary school you know those little uh oh, box little, chocolate like, milks yeah and it's like here's some chocolate milk for you okay that was good it tasted decent it was sweet but i wouldn't even say that it was more but like, it wasn't filling at all right it was like and the butterscotch. i butterscotch like but, <laughs> but i'm still craving something you know like right it leaves me wanting right and it's like but it just ah i don't know what to say about it it's just it's not deep and i'm really wanting something that i can chew on you know and even like i'm so i i even if you have to explain like i'm okay even if the song doesn't make sense until someone explains it then at at least there's something to chew on so let me give an example let's uh back up to 1996 um dc talks bless you Mm, Allergies. We're going to go ahead and back up to 1996, DC Talks Between Me and You. Um, Great song. Now, this song actually fits very well into the vague struggle, right? Just between me and you, I've got something to say. Got to get it straight before the sun goes down. What does that even mean? Um, And then, you know, it goes on to talk about um, how grace and forgiveness are needed between people i'm like okay not a bad song in itself and it's even the vague struggle right right and then um toby mac goes on to say well actually the song i wrote this about michael and kevin you know because even we're on the we've been on the road together since 89 non-stop we've lived on the road together and there are days i don't necessarily get along with them and you know we we let stuff build up between us 
And I, you know, the stuff between us, me and my bandmates, sometimes we just got to get that off our chest and forgive each other. Right. I'm like, okay, so we take an already vague struggle that's pretty universal. It has a decent bridge and hook. We're not even talking about the music, just lyrics that pull me in a little bit. And then I hear the story behind it, the music video, if you will, right? Right. And then I'm like, okay, I'm really hooked. I buy this song now. Right, but then, but when it's and like so, like, but then when it's you get like this Danny Goki song, I get none of that. I like it didn't, yeah, it just like the, the lyrics. I didn't even, I didn't even get how the song was part of the 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 video. It didn't, it didn't correlate in a very um, efficient way. Like the vague. It was the, like we have to make. It's like Danny, you don't have very many music videos out there. Um, what is this song basically about? And we'll just throw some people in there and see if they'll do something. But then, like, like, I don't get it um, because generally when you're telling a story, it's about like it's not you. You aren't technically involved. Maybe it's a personal story. That's why he was in the music video. But like, you know, and. In a certain sense, like when uh, when most music videos are made, the band, yeah, they're playing in the area of like in one of the scenes of the story, but they're never physically seen in the story itself. That depends on the music video. I mean, it does, but like in in a general context, mm-hmm. the the musician, singer, blah blah blah. Is not seen as a character in the story. Yes, maybe you can see them playing their instruments right here while a significant scene is happening, but that doesn't mean that that's like part of the story. Like, oh, there was a band playing behind them while they got back together. You know. Well, beyond that, it's so. This um the 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 if you just listen to this song, the the main theme I got was. It will get better, right? Hence the title. What is the title of the song again? Darn it. <laughs> I, like, I cannot keep That's this thing. That's how much it... Haven't seen it yet, right? So you haven't seen how good it's going to get. You haven't seen the whole entire picture yet, right? Right, but like but I would still... Even then, I didn't get that. Like, like what, where does the prodigal... And sorry for the indirectness, but prodigal son come in? Like, where does that story really come into... Like, I would view this sort of story... More as a, um, like, shoot, this would be a good video for it, okay? You've got Elijah and Elisha surrounded by the army of, uh, what's his name, um, King Ahab. Okay, yeah. Right? And then it's saying you haven't seen it yet, and then Elisha's eyes are open to the angels around well, it's actually, the army. It's actually Elisha's manservant, but... Oh, Elisha's man. Oh, okay, yeah, different story. But you get the idea. But yeah, that's the general idea. I could see that, and that would be cool music video. Like, make that the music video to this, not some Heck, girl make, walking around. Well, make that your verses. Right, make that your verses. Like, make, like, let it be like, you know, I'm surrounded by an army, I'm getting ready to die, you haven't seen it yet. Right. Yeah, it's like God versus Elisha, or or the you know it's Elisha versus the manservant, and they're like having this discussion, and then you know it's like okay, open his eyes, God, and then like you actually see it, like 
at the end of the video, you finally see the angels around the army that's around the prophet and his servant. Yeah, I mean, by the way, if anyone from Fair Trade Records would like to uh, contact us about writing any of these uh, wonderful lyrics for them, we we are totally available. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we write. We have about 200 in the works, you know. Um. I don't know. I mean, I obviously... Hey, if they want us to script music videos, let's do it, man. Because we have brilliant ideas. We have just not been able to, you know, reach our full potential because we don't have the right contacts. Um, But I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that could get us on Focus on the Family. mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) honestly, obviously Danny Goki's doing something right. He, uh, I believe he was on American yeah, Idol, Yeah, he right? won American Idol. I, did he even win it, or did he, no, he, he like come in fifth place? Him and Jordan, what's his face? Jordan Smith? Sparks? Smith. Jordan Smith. Okay. He did the, um... Uh... You Have Been Faithful, or... Uh... Ah. You have been... Da, da, da. Oh, da, 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 da. Morning by morning, I got nothing, buddy. I see. I don't know. Great is your faithfulness. Great is me? your faithfulness. There it is. Okay. I don't know. I uh. But he won, and like literally ever since he got on Christian radio, it's like these guys like know how to win over an audience so that they can get on Christian radio and not even. Use their potential. Mm-hmm. Like Colton Dixon. Like, what happened to him? You I, know? I mean, he wasn't even on my whatever happened to list. I know. But but I feel like he... he in the, maybe in the future, you know? I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. I, uh... We, we, um... And, you know, for all I know, maybe Danny Goki isn't an, uh, a sincerely creative, amazing person who can write a killer song. Well, I just haven't heard it. <laughs> honestly, like, I, I'm not saying this to be rude. I'm not saying this to be um, insensitive. But I feel like he's one of those artists that his story just touches people. You know, his wife passed away mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Wasn't that Jeremy Camp's story? Uh, it's both their stories. Okay. Eh, you know. Not that that doesn't mean anything. Like, that is sad in all it reality. It is sad. It is meaningful. It's like, good job. Like, I'm glad you, you know, he's like, uh, you are my hoe, yeah. da da da, something. Uh, even when I can't see it, you stand in front of me, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that was a good song. His very first hits, you know, I forget what it's called, um, was a very good song. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was a meaningful, it was personal, it talked about his... His, it wasn't a vague struggle. It it explained his struggle. But what's going on now? He just it's like what happened to that? Like, is there nothing else you can write that's deep? Well, is it's it, you know. Well, most artists um, write from what they know, right? That's the the common um, the common thing says you write what you know, and what ends up happening, and you can actually kind of see this pattern. In uh, rock stars, particularly, they their first album or two tends now. This isn't like the universal rule. Tends to be 
here's me growing up, here's me toughing it out, here's me trying to push through, right? <laughs> Johnny but, used to work at the docks. <laughs> and then they get to album number 10, and they've been doing this so long, what do they sing about? I'm partying, I'm enjoying life, I uh, can't stop the hustle. You know, like, they run out of, because they, they have nothing else to see. They're singing about their life, and their life has just became this uh, nothingness. Same, same, you know? same old, same old. And I, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what's happened to them. Um, and there are some artists who can overcome that. Don't get me wrong. Um, if you want to take an example, um, sadly enough, he fell off the grid when he did it. But Brandon Heath, he uh, after you know three very big albums, he said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my roots. And he wrote an album that was like, an ode to the mountains of Kentucky and uh, bluegrass and still like his pop style. Right. And it was just, you know, an ode to his history and it was very personal and it was very good, but it just didn't grab. Right. And he just kind of fell off the grid. Um, so yeah, there we go. That's uh, we didn't even talk about the music. I, I, I can't remember the music. Yeah. <laughs> it was so nondescript. I, uh, I don't want to be rude to anyone who played on this. Congratulations. I um, Who are you apologizing to? It's probably a computer. That's why I feel like a computer wrote this song. Like someone said, well, uh, let's go ahead and insert drum track 2B and uh, add some strings on top of this and... um, Go ahead and overdub his voice a few times. Okay, we have a song. Yeah. Essentially. That's, that's that's what I feel like happened. Um, I don't feel like someone sat down in a... I don't feel like someone sat down with a piano or a guitar or, you know, a, a freaking backpipe. I don't care. Re- sat down with a real instrument and said, uh, I'm going to figure out how these chords go together. I flipping bass. <laughs> Sit down with the drum set. Write a song. Yeah. Like, sit down and be like, how is this progression going to work? You know, how is the song going to flow? Right. Instead um, of it just, like, being like, oh, don't worry. We have it sunk up to your vocals so yeah. that it will play. So it'll never sound like you messed up. And it most certainly will never sound like the computer messed up. Solomon, we've been ranting for almost 40 minutes now. Hey, it's okay. This is hey, it's okay. This is therapy. This is yeah. There's this is therapeutical. (laughs) Um, So let's go ahead. Let's talk about stuff we do like. Um, We're gonna go ahead and change around. um, Like the Muppets, we're like the um, the oh Statler and Waldorf. (laughs) Let's talk about what we do like. We don't like anything. (laughs) It was uh, it was awful. It was horrible. It was short. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I love freaking Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, okay, no, um, we're going to go ahead and change around the whatever happened to them topic for tonight. And uh, it's sort of a random topic, but not exactly. Um, what's some, some shout outs to some stuff you do like? What's some music we do like? I don't care if it's old music, new music. Um, a forgotten classic, a uh, un- undeserved pop gem, or a um, a pop song that everyone thinks is overhyped that we really like. 
So I'm going to go ahead and just throw my hat in the ring. Uh, three, uh, I don't know. It was a few weeks ago. Maybe a month ago. Starflyer59 released a new album, Young in My Head. I friggin' love this album. Yeah. Most people, if they only listen to Caleb, are going, what the heck is a Starflyer59? What the heck is a Starflyer and why is it 59 years old? <laughs> Pretty much. So Starflyer 59 was one of Tooth and Nail's very first bands. And um, they, they started out as a shoegazer band. A shoegazer band. Shoegazer's a really old genre where the whole entire thing was a wall of guitars. It was basically saying, um, how many ways can I make these knobs make weird sounds? And how many times can I overdub my guitar to make it sound just weird, right? Right. They started out, and the main, the real, really, Starfire 59, I call it a band. It's mainly one guy, Jason Martin. Mm-hmm. He is a friggin' genius. Um, and so, he's been doing this for over 25 years. And he has uh, released a great many albums. He's not exactly pop material. I mean, if you hear his voice, it's not, um, you know, Mark Martell, he is not. Yeah. He has his own style. It's very subdued. But, oh, man, he makes some good music. And this last album he made is... So he already released one album 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, way over 10, like probably 15 years ago now, called Old, which was all about him getting old. This album is really about him getting old because he's hitting his 50s now, you know? Yeah. And he's just, it's just all, it's um the best album comparison I can oh, give. Oh, that's why he sounded like really old in the. Okay. Like he's probably in his 40s, yeah. hitting 50. Well, he sounds know. old in the, he's like got the Johnny Cash thing going. Yeah, um, and the whole entire album kind of has like a country. It, okay, so it's alternative rock. It's very 80s alternative rock. But it does kind of have like a country western vibe. Yeah. A kind of latter day Johnny Cash thing, you're right. Right. And um it's What have I become? <laughs> and if I was to compare it to an album, Automatic for the People by REM, considered one of their best albums about getting old. And maybe it's just because I feel like I'm getting old, but I related to Young in My Head so much. Yeah. Just him talking about, you know, maybe it's time for me to move on. Maybe it's time for to let, let my son play his music. Um, and then talking about, you know, maybe it's time I make peace with my past, make peace with my enemies. Maybe it's, you know, it's just the, all, the whole entire song is just coming to grips with who you are as a person. That's what the whole entire album is about. And, um, you know, coming to grips with, you know, he's never been huge in the music industry. And even his small fan base is nothing when you compare it to, um, I don't know, what's a casting crowns, for instance, right? <laughs> um, but he's still just being true to himself. And uh, I really haven't told you anything about this album other than how it makes me feel. But may- that's what you was talking about, right? Art that makes you feel something. Yeah, art that makes you feel something. And this this album, I cannot recommend it enough. I love it. Um, I want to buy the vinyl record of it as soon as I get a chance. And for anyone who is um, maybe getting ready to turn 30, getting ready to turn 40, etc. And is freaking out about it, this is the album for you. It yeah, is, you are about to turn thirty. I, I'm getting there, man. And uh, so, I'm about to turn twenty. It's not flipping me out, but I I'm kind of freaking out a little bit because the other day I realized 
that I've been playing guitar for 11 years. Yeah. And I've been playing piano for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I kind of cried a little bit when I realized that, wow, I can actually say I've been doing something over 10 years. That's freaking me out. And you can say you've been doing it over half your life. Exactly. I've been doing it over half my life. Oh my god. <laughs> so, oh my god, now I'm freaking out. <laughs> so you should go listen to Young in My Head by uh, Starfire 59. Yeah, I have to do it, that tonight. It's, it's a great I'm album. I'm going to put that on my sleepy, play, sleepy playlist. <laughs> Please hold while Solomon writes this down on his uh, sleep playlist. Do you have Apple Music currently? or No. Oh. Um, I have YouTube. <laughs> uh, that's that's fair. That's um, where I listened to the Hondar album, but I loved it. Um, is it Starflyer two words? No, it's one word. Starflyer fifty nine. They um, yeah. So got it. So, all right, Solomon. What's something you recommend from the past, from the future, from the present? Oh man! Oh man! Um, uh, I have to do this. You know, I have to do this. Okay. Keith Green, man. Get with the Keith Green. <laughs> All right, which album Ministry, is? Uh, minis- uh, is it Ministry Years? The Ministry Years? The Ministry Years, both volumes. Okay, so... Fantastic volumes, man. So or, the, I, I mean, technically records, but he calls them volumes. Well, the Ministry Years, for those that don't know... Um, so for those that are like, who the heck is Keith Green? Uh, he who, is, who is Keith Green? He was, okay... For the longest time in the seventies, before we even had well, he only had a four-year career, right? Well, exactly. Well, before we had Christian record labels that were big enough to be noticed, mm-hmm. we had Keith Green, who did not grow up Christian. Mm-hmm. Grew up in the time of uh, the time in the world where everyone was like, you know, peace, love, and rock and roll, mm-hmm. and hippie everything, and let's go eat some mushrooms and get totally stoned, mm-hmm. you know? And he grew up in that spot. He found that he didn't like it as much as he thought he did. When he freaked out one night, him and his buddy are on a trip, uh, you know, a trip-out trip, you know, and they go up in the hills uh, over in uh, Orange, is it, it's Oregon County, California. Orange or, County. Orange County. Orange County. I was right. And, uh, you know, uh, home of OC Supertones. Yeah. But anyway, they go up in the hills of Orange County, California, and they're on this big old trip on, I don't know what it was exactly, but Keith Green has this vision while he is blown out of his mind that there are aliens in a spaceship coming mm. for him and he's flipping out and his friend when they finally got over it his friend's like dude what were you flipping out over you were screaming they're coming for you they're coming for you anyway long story short Keith Green decides yeah there's got to be something more out there than drugs because like this thing's got me tripping super hard mm. and I don't want this for my life so he finds starts fi- starts searching for Religion starts searching for a connection to a higher power, starts uh, reading a Bible, starts reading the Bible, and he decides, I believe this, you know, I believe that God created heaven and earth, I believe that Jesus came, was crucified, died, rose again, so that we could all be saved. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick by that, and I want to share that with everyone. Mm-hmm. So he starts writing music, and the the thing about his music is that it's not necessarily just these little worship songs. These are some fantastic songs. I highly recommend listening to uh, uh, "Separation of the Goats and Sheep" um, by him, because it's not even a song. It's literally. A musical narrative by him just explaining a story about uh, when God comes back it's in Matthew the stories from Matthew mm-hmm. when God comes back and he's separating the sheep from the goats uh-huh. so I highly recommend listening to that song specifically um, but anyway he, he, he writes these songs and uh, each of them deal with something he tells a story about his life and why this song means something to him and what this song is actually about. Hence, creativity. Very, very admired. Love it. Not all of his songs were perfect, but all of his songs were honest. All of his songs were 100% connectable with anybody in his audience. And if I may make a shout-out to um, some girl power... His wife, Melody Green, co-wrote a lot yeah, of his songs. Yeah, a lot of his songs, yes. Yeah, we cannot let that go unnoticed. Yeah. She wrote... In fact, she wrote, wrote a lot of his songs. There were songs that just she wrote. Mm-hmm. But most of the songs, they wrote together. Um, essentially, later on down you know, in his career, he's uh, on a plane uh, you know, going to a tour, and he passes away when the plane crashes. Hence... I believe that that was what he saw when he was on that trip. I believe he saw, oh man, you know, something's going to happen. I really need to find what my life is actually meant for. And that just, I mean, I'm not saying that is what happened. I'm not saying that, oh, it was intended for him to die in a plane crash. But I just like to see it that way. I I like to think that maybe... It was God who kind of showed him, hey, I would really like for you to, you know, connect to me because this is what's going to happen. You know, you're going to you're going to lose your life one day and you're not going to know the difference and, you know, between life and death because you just you're going to be dead for eternity. Mm -hmm. You're going to burn in in hell that wasn't intended for you. But um, I would highly recommend that you guys. Um, listen to just look up Keith Green he's on Spotify he's on everything uh, look him up listen to all his songs there's not a single song that's not that good it's, they're all fantastic also read his life biography it's it's a good book yeah or his a... yeah it's his biography uh, written by Melody Green yeah his is wife. it called Keith Green what's it called uh, Ministry Years no no, it's, no um, it's called uh, um, Your Love Broke Through your love broke through, right? And um, and the ministry year albums are actually so he only had a four year discography, right? Um, he released four albums, and then there was actually he he recorded enough material. He only had ever had one producer, Bill Maxwell, well, and he recorded enough material with Bill Maxwell that they was able to release three posthumous albums. Yeah, um, which means they were able to release these albums after he passed away. Yeah. So seven albums in total, and um, so since he had such a brief career, they actually released all the albums on four discs, hence the Ministry Years Volume 1 and Volume 2. And right. Yes. 
All right, there you go. Fantastic. I love him, man. Like, I would honestly say, in my personal um, journey as a musician, songwriter, he is one of my top... Okay, he is pretty much my top influence when it comes Mm -hmm. to music. But, uh, well, Christian music, you know, the CCM influence. I mean, I have other secular influences that I look kind of at them, but, but... Let's focus on Keith Green. Let's <laughs> let's keep it with him because that's where it's at. That's when, that's what I think that a lot of uh, well, that's what I think that Christian music needs to be like. Seeing that he essentially was the father of CCM for a, a like, very long time. Well, like, yeah, like um, Larry Norman may have invented Christian rock, but Keith right. Green invented contemporary Christian rock. Right, right, and like. <laughs> That's not even bad. Like, it's beautiful. Him, uh, Rich Mullins. I mean, they like, were 20 years apart. I mean, apart, they but... were 20 years apart, but I feel like Rich Mullins kept the thing going. Oh, yeah. Rich Mullins and Keith Green, like, I mean, if you had a concert with both of them together, like, you know, one or the other, I mean, obviously it'd be Rich Mullins opening for Keith Green. Cause, yeah. You know, but like, I feel like that would work because they both carried the dream. They carried the vision of our songs need to be stories, need to tell the audience something. We need to be able to connect on an emotional level. And beyond that, like um, going back to history should not be forgotten. Why is it? And we complained about this a couple weeks ago. I mean, I don't want to be on here just complaining, but um, why is it, you know, Bob Dylan still gets played on the radio? Um, Johnny Cash still gets played on pop right. radio. Right. Um, why do we not still hear Keith Green played on the radio? Why do we still not hear? Okay, every once in a while you'll hear "Awesome God" by Rich Mullins, but that's every once in a great right. moon. Like you don't even really hear that. But anymore, right? if we hear "Awesome God," it's Hillsong version. You know. Yeah. And it's like, like, guys, you do realize he wrote verses. Yeah. Like he, it's not just a chorus. Because the chorus in itself is pretty vague. I mean, yes, it's a it's a ode to God for being awesome. Wow, but like the the verses are the story. The verses are wow. Yeah, They're... like you know, God wasn't joking when he kicked them out of Eden. Like, yeah. like it it's actually pretty legit. It, wow. Well, we can't worship to that verse. It's kind of weird, man. But no, you can because. The the chorus tells the the um the chorus is the uh uh what's the the word the um the chorus is like the answer to the, the problem verse. in the verse. That's kind of an interesting way to look you at it. You know, like you know, yeah, he wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden, but it wasn't it was for his mercy that he shed his blood, blah blah blah. But then, you know, you better be believing our God is an awesome God because, you know, our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Like, look at songs in a more storytelling way. Look at songs as a math problem. That was actually something I was told when I was getting uh, songwriting lessons. Uh, Not like, you know, oh, you have to write it like this. I just, I was trying to figure out Hey, I don't really know how to do this. This isn't my strong suit. I'd like to talk to somebody who has written songs. And he said, look at it as a math formula. 
He said, but don't look at it as a simple equation, 2 plus 2 equals. He said, you got to look at it as an algebraic problem, like x to the power of 2 plus y to the power of 3 times, you know, x plus y equals negative 5, but y. You know, you've got to figure it out. It's a story, but then there's a simple solution. Mm-hmm. Be creative. Work those juices in your brain parts and <laughs> your thinking parts. Yeah. Hey, speaking of worship music, while we're talking about positive things we do like, right? Um, let's go ahead and give our top five worship songs. And this is going to be a little bit in- weird how we're closing it out, right? Um, admittedly, but this is a uh, just keep the the good vibes going. And we're trying to keep it under four minutes here. <laughs> All right. So, what's um, our top five worship songs? We'll each go back and forth. Um, with our number one, number two, and just kind of see what happens. And I do want to preface this for me at least in the fact that my worship songs, um, they do change a lot. I'm trying to go for throughout my entire lifetime. These are the songs that have touched me in a worship setting on the deepest level. Yeah. But there is, don't get me wrong. There's still a hundred other songs that I can worship to that will, you know, have me jumping, running, crying, whatever. There are other songs out there. These are just the ones that pop to the top of my head. All right, Solomon, so what's your number one um, worship song? And I'm not necessarily going in any particular order. I just wrote down five, and that's what I had. <coughs> yeah, I'll say. But I'll just put down, I'll just give you the first one I have on the list, which is uh, Open Sky by David Crowder Band. Okay, um, and why do you like this song? I like it because it's like, it's pretty, like, well, it opens with... Um, uh, uh, shoot. Turn your eyes. Turn, uh-uh. Your eyes to heaven and sing joyful noise. Oh, wait, no, that's all of this for yeah. a king. Yeah, Sorry, well, I'm thinking of the wrong... It starts with, like, um... Praise and wonder, open skies, everything breathing, praising God. In the company of all who love the king, I will dance, I will sing... It could be heavenly. Uh, I like that. Like it's pretty. It's simple. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like a lot of your worship songs. But it's very. But poetic. then it goes into wherever you are, wherever you've been, he's been there. Mm-hmm. So let his people sing. I like it. It's like it's so wonderful to be here now. Like, like even though we're on Earth, we're still in His presence, and it's wonderful to be here. Like, even though, you know, it's really not that wonderful to be on Earth because Earth's really not that great when you, mm-hmm. it fails in comparison to heaven. Yeah. Um, my uh, top of my list is uh, another David Crowder band song. I told you they're my favorite band um, ever, but um, How He Loves, which is technically a John Mark McMillan song. Right. John Mark McMillan did write this, but. His um, version's not as, like, it's not the same as theirs. They did make it a little more worship. Yeah, they, I mean, um, they they changed the one verse, right? Right, well, they, they changed the one word. The one, if it wasn't for that wet, sloppy kiss, John Mark McMillan would have been on top. Yeah, right? John Mark McMillan <laughs> would have made it on top if it wasn't for that wet, sloppy kiss. <laughs> um, but I love this song so much. It's just, it's poetic. Um, and I, the poetry is not appreciated like it should be appreciated, in my opinion. For sure. It's definitely not. Um, I think it's okay for things to not necessarily have a clear cut of, I'm demanding you worship to this. 
Right. Let the poetry invoke worship in you. Um, I mean, if you read through the book of Job, if you read through Psalms, Songs of Solomon, right. um, those are all poetry that aren't demanding you worship. They just invoke worship in you right. from the poetry. And that's this song to me. All right. Right. All right. Um, number two on my list would be Reckless Love by Corey Asbury, which is, yes, it is a very modern worship song. And I'm kind of glad that, you and, like it. And, and it's good. I, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed myself that I like this. Um, it's something you hear on the radio. Um, the thing I like about it is that it's not like, you know, so simple. It actually makes sense. Like the verses may seem simple, but it's, it, I mean, really in, in a bigger, broad spectrum, it, it's deep. It says, before I spoke a word, you were singing over, singing over me. Mm-hmm. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. And then it's, and then it goes on to says, when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. And then it goes into, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that chases me down and fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. Uh, I didn't, I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Um, and then the 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 big part. This is the real the real thing I like about it is the bridge. It says, "There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up coming after me, no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me." And it's I like it because it is legit. It's legitimate. Um, yeah, it might be a vague struggle, but. It, it's the scripture. It, it's scripture. It says, you know, you fight till I'm found and leave the 99. Like, that's all that matters. That's really what kicks it for me is because he gets the idea. Like, let's sing this song of worship from the scripture. Let's not just pull in these vague words and vague ideas and then make it what I want it to so that I can connect to an audience instead of an individual person. Because with the statement, leaves the 99, he makes it individual. Mm-hmm. So I like that about it. Congratulations, Corey Asbury, for being creative <laughs> in the 21st century. Um, and making it on the radio, specifically. Right, and making it on the radio. Um, I'm I'm next going to go, um, I'm just kind of going down my favorite artist list here. Um, it it kind of happens. Speechless by Stephen Curtis Chapman. This is back from 99. Um, I... So, first off, the album, Speechless, if I can just uh, give props to it for a second. This was, I don't know if uh, you remember, well, uh, you were very young. You was just born, actually, in the early 90s, in the late 90s. Or no, stick with me. In the late 90s, there was this trend of um, adult alternative rock. Uh, Think Goo Goo Dolls. Oh. You know, that kind of acoustic-y... Um, and I'd give up forever but to touch like, you. It was, it was like, it was very radio friendly, but you could still it have like a slight rock edge to it, right? Yeah, like the acoustic and mandolin in it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I get what you're saying. So, Stephen Curtis Chapman's whole entire Speechless album is that. Right. Um, but in a Christian context, which right. I love first of all. Mm-hmm. Two, um, this song is... Um, it's talking about our response to God. Um, I feel like worship music has kind of fallen into this trap of talking about all the things God can give us with talking about, without us talking about 
how we should respond to what God has given us. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because it's, you know, and th- this is talked about off and on, but, you know, God is not our Santa Claus. God is a father that knows best for us, and we should be more than grateful for that. Um, and I just, the speechless just kind of encapsulates that idea of, um, you have given me so much, and what what do I possibly have right. that can be in a response to that? Anything in a response I have to the goodness of God is just nothing. And then if I may brag on the music for a minute, if you actually listen to the song, the song actually fades out to, by the end of it, he literally just stops singing, and you just hear the strings playing the melody to the song Speechless. Mm-hmm. So literally by the end of the song, he is speechless, speechless right. in the presence of God. Right. And I just, uh, yeah, this song is, it it deserves to be played on Sunday morning everywhere, and it never was. <laughs> like, I love that song. Right. All right. My third one, and this one, it's kind of hard to explain. This is one that you'll have to listen to to really understand where I'm coming from. If you haven't heard this song, totally, 100% recommend that you listen to this. All the Poor and Powerless, the digital age version. Because, the reason, uh, and like I said, I can't get too deep into this because it's kind of hard. You could go forever about it. But essentially... And who was it originally by? It's originally by um, Sons and Daughters. Uh, I don't remember what their names are. Uh, something, something, something. But anyway. Um, but So Digital Age, who is David Crowder Band's kind of like... Right, yeah, it's David Crowder Band's like offspring. If you will. Like, they went ahead and covered it. Sorry, I just had to get right, that out there. Right, so continue. Right. Uh, yeah, they covered it. Um, in fact, just... I, it's too It's too much to try to explain. Listen to it. All the poor and powerless, the digital age version. You're right. It's that is a great song. It's that a almost fantastic made my list. song, but it's not like you can't explain why it's good. You have to hear why it's good. You know. Ironically enough, I feel like our songs, even though they're not the same songs, they kind of mirror each other. Because mm-hmm. that song as well is a lot about just responding to God. Right. You know, it's a lot about that response. Um, that's, right. That's funny. Alright, so number three on mine, I'm going to go on left field here to something very few people have ever heard. Matthias replaces Judas by Showbread. Oh! Aren't they rock and roll? It's not this song, actually. This is... This song is is a worship song. This is is the uh, bread and butter of worship, essentially. Like, this is, you know, not kosher pickle... But the you know this is the pick the bread and butter pickle you know sandwich pickles mm-hmm. those things are disgusting but it's the real deal get it <laughs> <laughs> this song though um so showbread is this uh, little uh, I don't even know how to classify their music genre band on that used to be on Tooth and Nail they're dead now I'm not literally dead, oh but the I was band about to dead. say I was like they are. No, the, the band the band is disappointed. When when did they die? Um, <laughs> what did I know? <laughs> this song encapsulates though just um, everything great I love about them. It's it's odd. It's a weird song. Um, it's completely humble. It's um, interestingly enough, the song is mainly about how unworthy we are of God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole entire song is you know comparing the singer comparing himself to Judas. 
Right. Um, and I just, it, it makes me cry almost every time. And I listen to the song almost on a daily basis. Um, so I don't necessarily cry every day, but my, my, like somewhere in the back of my head, you know, there's a, a little part of me crying every time I hear this song. Right. And, um, the, the one and only Reese Roper makes an appearance on the song, giving one of his best power ballad vocals ever. And, um, yeah, I, it's one of those songs, kind of like the Porn Powers. You have to just go and listen to it. Just, right. So, Matthias replaces Judas by Showbread. Just go listen to it. You're welcome. Um, the next song, and I'm going to start throwing back a little bit here. The next song I'm going to throw out here is, um... Yeah, I mean, you're going to know this one, obviously, but you're not going to expect it. Is. Da-da-da! Sing your praise to the Lord by Rich Mullins. Oh, so you decided, you switched it up a little bit. Yeah, I had to. (laughs) That is a great song, though. Like, it is class A modern worship. Right. Um, So, I'm sorry, I shouldn't talk about your song. Tell me about your song. That's why I like it, because it's like... Most worship, it's like, um, you know, oh, how he loves us. Like, not that that's bad. I like, I like how he loves us. But like, really, sing your praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody. You don't know how good that it's going to do. You sing your praise to the Lord. Like, it has some, worship, some you can worship. It. Right. It is praise and like, worship. you can worship to that song. Um. You know, um, it, it's a corporate, it's corporate worship, yes, but, you know, it's it's one of those songs where even though you can, it's, it's a song you sing with a group of people, it's individual because it's talking about you giving your individual praise to God in the group of people, you know? So Rich Mullins really, uh, he found a really good in to both a corporate and individual uh, worship. And I'll give you a fun fact about that song. Um, so he originally recorded it way back before he was an actual artist. Right. Um, when he was just writing songs. And Amy Grant took it. And it was actually a huge hit for Amy Grant. It was like one of her first huge hits. Right. And so that's what got him into the industry. They're like, hey, write more songs for Amy Grant. You're good. Um, and then, then he, he didn't, was like, no, I want to write, I want to sing my own songs. Well, and then he didn't end up recording that song again, like for himself. Right. As Rich Mullins until like 1990, until like the late nineties. Huh. Um, so, you know, only a few years before he died, did he finally record that for himself? And when he released it under his name, it became even bigger than Amy Grant's version. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so that's just a, there you go. That's a little fun fact. Right. All right. Uh, oh man, where are we at? We're at number Fourth. four. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go back in history a little bit. We're going to go um, I Need Thee Every Hour, a, a hymn. I like me some hymns. Right. So this hymn was written by Annie S. Hawks and Robert Lowry. And if I'm saying those names like I'm reading them, it's because I am. I don't actually know who wrote this off the top of my head. The reason why is the version I like. Because the thing with hymns is uh, good luck ever finding a... Uh, um, 
you're not going to find an original recording of a hymn because they were written during the 1700s, the 1800s. You're very rarely you're going to find an original recording for a hymn. Right. So my favorite version of this song is Jars of Clay. I love the Jars. One of my favorite bands, and uh, they do this ver- this hymn, this um, very good classic hymn, more than justice. Right. And um, I feel like hymns shouldn't be forgotten. There was this weird time during the early 2000s when every Christian artist had a hymns album. Thankfully, that's died a little Thank bit. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank but you. there is something to be said for a hymn if done properly. If done properly exactly it did um what the problem i had with the, all those hymns albums is they felt less like i'm paying honor to this awesome songwriting and right. i'm cashing in on a, a a public domain song that i didn't have to write yeah because <laughs> yeah because i don't have anything i've lost like we're we're due to have another album out why don't we just you know save us a lot of time and stress and just throw an amazing grace and <laughs> yeah so, right. I saw I love Jars of Clay's version. Yep. Fantastic. Right. Number four for you. Five. Oh, five. I've already done four. Did you do? I started it. Okay, you started it. Yeah. Okay. Number five. And going back to the very beginning, Keith Green, Make My Life a Prayer. Okay. I love this song for the sheer fact that he is descriptive in what he means. Make my life a prayer to you. I want to be what you want me to. No empty words, no white lies, no token prayers, and no compromise. And I want to shine the light you gave through your son you sent to save us from ourselves and our despair. It comforts me to know you're really there. And that has a lot on it. It Isn't really that does. Verse? That one verse. <laughs> and then like it goes on to say in the chorus, I want to thank you now for being faithful to me. It's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. But I guess I have to trust and believe what you say. Said you're coming again, coming to take me away. And I think that that's the real part that like gets me is because and and you know as I was talking about earlier is the the vision he had when he was tripping, and he 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 says it here and then eventually you know something does happen to him. That's why I say I feel like that. That part of this song gets me. Because I feel like he really did have some sort of revelation of what was coming for him. And what, you know, even if it wasn't some space shuttle or some airplane, he knew that something was going to get him in the end. And he needed a relationship with God. Hence this song, Make My Life a Prayer. You Mm -hmm. know, I really like this song. It just, I don't know. This is one of those songs that when I play it and sing it or listen to it, I can't help but cry about it. Yeah. It's a it's a good song. I pray to the song. I you know, listen to the song when praying and it helps. It really does. It yeah. puts you in that not just praise and worship.